Welcome to Mastering Agility. If you want to listen to authentic conversations with the most inspiring guests, find like-minded people in the Mastering Agility Discord community or both online and face-to-face events, this is the platform for you. Grab a drink, sit back, and join professional scrum trainers Sander Dorr, Jim Sammons, and their guests in an all-new episode. Jim, how are you doing, brother? By the time that people are hearing this uh, this recording, Christmas has passed. What are your current plans for the coming Christmas days, for the holidays? I am going to be driving a couple states away to see some family and friends. Looking forward to that. And probably be a normal holidays, pretty, pretty chill, just a couple meals, some presents. Hopefully the weather holds. It's been very cold here. It's actually not too bad right now, but cross your fingers that the weather holds. And then I'm hoping to come home a few days before my work week starts so that I can just Relax. veg. Yes. Like, I don't know what you call it, but over here we call it veg. Like, I just need to like couch surf for a while and, and do that. I, I don't do that enough. No, we call it pretty much the same thing. My plan. So those are my holiday plans apart from going to see my parents and uh, just family in general. I'm going to be in mm-hmm. a vegetative state on the couch. I am going yep. to test the stretching possibilities of my couch, like the, uh, the the pillows to the max. Now, you have cold weather. Over here, it's been stable for three months, but it's been sucky mm. and stable. It's been <laughs> raining for three goddamn months. Yeah. So I was hoping for a white Christmas, but that's not going to happen. So we had some snow this this week. My dog, as you know, Roxy, she loves snow. So she has just been begging to go outside all day, every day. And it's so funny because she went to the door. Uh, I forget what day it was, like Tuesday of this week. And she looked out expecting to see snow and looked back at me. And her eyes, like I swear I speak fluent dog now. And she was like, you asshole, where's all the snow? Like, what did you do? She was so accusatory in how she looked at me. It was it was the cutest thing. I'm pretty sure she can. She sees you on your lawnmower just driving back and forth, and she's like, "Did you use that machine to get the snow out of the way as well, Jim? What the hell did you do here?" It, yeah. it, it could. It could. I I have a video somewhere of her riding the lawnmower, and she looks terrified at the beginning and then once she realizes she's safe she just kind of sits down and she's like cool the the human that i've trained to feed me and do everything else is now driving me around and she kind of enjoys it (laughs) he's not just a a feeder on on two legs he's also my chauffeur yeah i mean that that's what i say is I i was telling a group this morning like i work hard so my dog can have nice things that's basically just how i exist forget about gilly it's about my dog well, Gilly gets nice things too. She works hard so the dog can have nice things. Uh, fair enough. Have we, no. we still have a long list of open questions coming from the audience in our mural board, in the Mastering Agility mural board. So I felt mm-hmm. like this would be the perfect moment to catch up, pause, answer those questions before we're going to go into another sick list of guests in the new year. What do you think? Yes, we've got some doozies lined up, and I'm I'm pretty stoked about 2024. So I I think reflecting is good. Good. What would be your highlight of the year, like the 2023 year, when it comes to the podcast? Mm. In terms of the podcast, ooh, um, 
Well, I mean, honestly, just getting started, like just having this platform and being able to talk with you and learn from you. And I mean, I think every every single guest and audience member that that's asked a question or interacted has honestly taught me something. Um, one thing I realized this week, and I think this is this is going to be my answer to you. My highlight is I have realizations as I talk. Like uh, I was talking to a doctor this week and he was asking me some questions and I'm like, Great question. As I talk through my answer, I'm making some mental connections. So to me, it's the highlight is having a platform to talk to people, learn from people, and maybe help some others with my experiences. I, I'm, I think you could take away the maybe. I'm pretty sure you've done that. I I hope so, but I didn't validate. So like we, we don't know if we've delivered value until we validate it. And I guess that's fair. I, I guess, to be honest, we have had a number of validation uh, comments come from people and, and listeners. So yeah, I'll give us credit for that. Um, so what about you? What, what's been the highlight? 2023. Well, and coming from the audience, Abby says, what's the highlight? Abby, duh. And I think the audience, like just the general audience of the community that's helping us build the brand even better, um, the Discord community, how that's really come to life, the, the merger uh, with Serious Scrum now and, and create, expanding the platform as it is. I mean, it started like just a podcast, a very simple podcast about three years ago. And it has been it had its ups and downs with with me and, and how I try to find my way through the whole landscape where I wanted to position it and where I wanted to go for it. And now with you on board since the beginning of the year, pretty much, I think it was April, March, that was a huge boost. But just everything that happened afterwards, like the merchandise that we created, there are hoodies, there are stickers, there are mugs, there's there's shirts, there's I don't know what not the, the studio mm, we're giving away up. books. We're yeah, giving, we're away, giving books. away books. You've done meetups. Um, we're talking about recording some of these live at conferences and other events next year. I mean, there's a lot of cool stuff in the works. Is there is there any other top secret behind the scenes stuff that you feel like we can share yet? Oh, that's a great question. Well, it's not necessarily secret. secret. I mean, we shared this uh, a couple of times before, but next year we're definitely going to do more like studio meetups, physical studio meetups where people mm -hmm. can join our TV studio in, in the ZB office in Hilversum. I'm planning to get you in as well. So we're really together. We don't have to put your face on the screen again, like the last time, even though you look mm -hmm. good in the screen, dude, but still I would love to have you on board uh, in the actual studio because that's going to make it a different experience. Uh, that's one where we're definitely looking at making the platform even bigger and better and, and more engaging with even higher level guests. I mean, that's going to start January 8th already with uh, product guru, Teresa Torres, which I'm stoked about that she's joining us. I mean, if you look mm -hmm. at her, her, her talks and mind the product and, and uh, the work that she's been doing, the books that she been, she's been writing, that stuff looks amazing. And I think just now coming from Dave Snowden, now going to Teresa Torres, uh, there, there's, there's a ton of other guests that we're looking for that we're talking to and engaging. So just leveling that up, is uh, that's already looking really good. Yeah. Yeah, uh, agreed. And I, I can, I've told you, but I can tell everybody else, I am confirmed to be in, in London for Lean Agile London. Uh, I've got a couple days at that conference, a few days of work in London, scrum.org, face-to-face, and then I'm going to be going to the Netherlands for a client visit. And I'm sure we'll be recording some stuff there. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to Charlotte in a couple months. Uh, there's another trip to the Netherlands planned for some client work. And yeah, I'm just excited to, I'm going to be taking some of our, our mobile podcasting stuff and you just never know where, where we can record. Like the, the first thing I did without you because you were traveling and I was traveling was the, the last time I was in London and, and the audio was terrible, but the conversation was great. So we're going to be a lot more prepared this year. And, uh, you'll probably have some conversation with people without me. You, you've got a different travel schedule than I do. And I'm just, I'm just stoked to have a nice mixture of, you know, well-known entities in the industry. And, and when I say industry, I mean, very broadly, I, I don't yeah. just want to talk to agilists. I want to talk to people in sales and marketing and leadership and basically anything to do with the world of work and people who are practitioners, peers, colleagues, students, uh, you know, newcomers, experienced veterans, et cetera. Like I, I love kind of balancing people who have a wealth of experience in a platform and then people who are just like you and I out there mixing it up every day, making mistakes, having success, et cetera. Who would be your like number one guests, a guest? If you, if there's one single name that you would die to get on board, who would it be? Johnny Cash. Or Alan Turing. Um, no, honestly, though, let me think. Um, gosh, come back to me. Do you have an answer while I think? I want to go for Dan Pink. That's one. Um, I think that would be a, that, that's the first name that really pops in mind right now. Aaron Meyer. Looking forward to to. I'm not looking for it. I mean, I would be looking for it if we actually had a plan. I would love to have Aaron Meyer on. Mm, uh, it's, it's a tricky question, isn't it? I mean, there are so it, it many good is. people and knowledgeable people. Well, okay. Since, since neither of us are really throwing out one name, um, I'm going to give you a couple. Um, I, I think it would be a hell of a conversation to have Jocko and Leif on or, or either yeah. of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I would love to have uh, David Marquet on. Um, and I think uh, Gojko Adzik from... Gojko Adzik. Mean, he's written a number of books. Uh, Specification by Example. Uh, and John Cotter um, would, be, would, would be up there for me. But if there's anyone listening who has an opening to any of these people, please get us in touch and we'll try to make it work to get it, get it done. Speaking of which, if there's one single favor that for the next year that I would like to ask our audience or just regardless of whenever you're listening, if you like what we're doing, please help us grow the platform by just rating us on whatever platform you're listening with a, either a five stars, just Follow us, give us a review, because that's going to feed the algorithm in such a way that we get higher ranked and therefore we're going to get more exposure, which makes it easier for us to build the brand, get better giveaways, get higher level guests, and so on. So you're basically helping yourself by helping us. Absolutely. I, I mean, it, it's just a sad fact that, you know, there's a lot of uh, competition for ears and eyeballs these days. And 
if you like what we do, hopefully that's a reasonable request. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, I've been taught, I, I talked to Fred from our audience and, and he's got a network of people and we talked about the idea of kind of mentorship and just different networking things. So if there's someone in your life that you value, or maybe I'd love to hear what's who some of your dream guests are and who knows, maybe somebody in our audience knows them. Maybe one of us knows them or at least is willing to do the, the legwork to go, uh, try and build that connection. That would be awesome. Cause it's not what we want. I mean, it's, it, it is a little bit what we want, but it's also, uh, we don't know what we don't know. No, we don't know who we don't know. Perhaps exactly. help us broaden our horizons. Now, Speaking mm-hmm. of our horizons and broad, there's a super broad question in our mural. Bear with me. And the question says, how important do you think it is in general to find out reasons for a particular issue? I discussed the problem of lack of trust with some manager the other day and was told, let's not waste time on trying to find out where it's coming from, but focus on how we can change it. Can we know what needs to be changed if we don't understand the root cause? Ooh, God, that would have been a great question for uh, Dave Snowden last thing. So I, I'll I'll fake it and, and give you my, or maybe not fake it, but I'll give you my thoughts. And I don't know if it's scientifically sound is I would say maybe it depends on if you're worried about that problem recurring again. It, you know, if, if you're going to look at an anomaly and one thing has happened one time and yeah, maybe you don't have to worry about it happening again. Maybe maybe it was one of those extremely rare things that has an impact, but I would say that we talked on that uh, episode a lot about anomaly detection and, and looking at the exceptions to the rule because that's where a lot of learning and, and improvement can come from. So I I don't know. This is a broad question. I'm going to need to think about it some more, but I my, my initial reaction is, and I know that I give you a lot of shit about this, but it depends. And I think one of the biggest things that depends on is, is this truly a one-off or do you just think it's never going to happen again or it has never happened? Or are you just seeing something, the tip of the iceberg for the first time? Mastering Agility only works with organizations aligned with our values. And that's exactly why we are excited to work with our sponsor. Scrum Match is the free platform for professionals run by professionals. On Scrum Match, true Scrum Masters get hired by companies serious about their popular framework. The awesome people behind this platform have decades of experience, among them a professional Scrum trainer for Scrum.org. They have interviewed, trained, and coached hundreds of like-minded people, and they use this exact experience to make you stand out from the crowd and help you get in touch with companies looking for true Scrum Masters. So go to scrummatch.com and sprint to your dream job. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, it, I tend to lean towards not agreeing with it depends. I think it's uh, we cannot really change anything for the better, truly change without understanding the root cause. I mean, we can we can patch it, sure, but I don't think we can really fix it. And I think mm-hmm. uh, look, just looking at the engagements that we've been in, I think we we um, we're too eager to jump into resolution mode rather than really trying to understand where is this coming from? What do we need to change? Where is the, the root cause? So what's really causing this? I don't know where we're going to try to fix it anyway. 
I mean, right. if, right. you, see, and, and if I you see your your shirt bleeding, you're not gonna, just going to change the shirt or put another shirt over it. You're going to try to find the wound, right? Yeah. And I think it's it's interesting to know, is what you're seeing the problem? Is it a direct indicator of the problem or is it five steps removed and it's a symptom of a symptom of an outcome of a problem five steps ago? And, you know, when you think about systems thinking, that is one of the most undervalued, underrepresented skills out there to be able to step up and back from a system and look at all the different variables and all the different changes and how they interrelate and how making a tiny little move over here can have a very different outcome over here. But I'm a problem solver. I That's why I like what we do because I like solving problems. So it would be very unlikely for me to say, I don't see value in understanding what caused this, but I might be I might immediately move on to say, okay, cool. I think we think it, that caused it, but what caused that? Or maybe what the the asker of this question is saying is solving the acute problem or outcome is a lot more important immediately than solving the why. So like in your example, if you're bleeding from your chest, well, yeah, you could probably sit there and think about like how you got shot or or stabbed or whatever, but you might want to think about treating the wound first. Yeah. In, in the previous episode with Dave uh, Snowden, we were talking about the, um, the super short attention span that organizations seem to have these days. And Yannick made, made a, a rightful comment in the, in the chat, in the audience. And why, why don't you want to spend time on this? Why are we so focused on the short term gains and why are we not trying to really resolve anything and fix it for the better? And we've seen too many organizations as well just go into production as soon as we can just for the hell of it, for the sake of releasing, because then it seems that we're we're busy, right? We've delivered something, sure. But if you're building your house in quicksand, it might look nice initially, but if it actually watch it go, go down in the sand, it, you're probably going to be slapping yourself in the head for a little bit. And it's 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 no different with organizations. I mean, fix your ship first before you really put it out, whether that's in a product or on on the process side. Yeah, yeah. And, and Yannick's adding some really great content in the chat as well. Is if we don't treat the underlying issue, you know, the wound could stay there. It could make us sick. You know, if you if you don't treat a wound, you can get sepsis or an infection, et cetera. And that's how things spread. That's how a small problem becomes a medium-sized problem and then ultimately a cultural change. And uh, so I, I think I'm with Yannick in this is that I don't like the response of, we don't have time to worry about the problems. We just need to deal with the outcome. I mean, that's kind of like um, a firefighter friend of mine is they have a rotation on in the fire department he's in um, between active firefighting and fire prevention, fire education, inspections, and they do continuous learning and development and problem solving and, and very sciencey type of things. It's not it, but maybe the most enjoyable days for him is the days you're grabbing a hose and putting out a fire, but that is not a way to create long-term safety and stability for people and businesses and homes and all that stuff. You have to do all of that. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, that that kind of ties into another question that's in there. How do how does the scrum master help the team become more effective? And I think uh, that's a that's a good segue into what you're saying here. Scrum masters, when it comes to the scrum team itself, scrum masters are the ones accountable for causing the removal of of the impediment, right? Not removing the impediment itself, but causing the removal of the impediment, and it's it's just that specifically that where scrum masters need to be in such a position or need to take care of themselves to get in such a position that they can leverage the organization to remove or start removing the impediments because we've seen too many times happening where we just put on our blinds um and we just pretend that the issues are not there we keep going and we keep going and nothing really improves and I think that's the interesting thing about many uh, agile transformations or um, adoptions of the Scrum framework, where we just adopt the framework and not change the behavior. So it's really easy for consultants to get hired and ask, well, can you please change this framework or, or not change the framework, but can you help us do Scrum? Sure, we can help you do Scrum. Uh, executing a framework like Scrum, something that's as lightweighted as this 11 to 13 pages counting guide, it's easy to execute that. But to truly change the behavior for the better, to make sure that you instill psychological safety, that you really dive into what we're trying to fix uh, with the clients that we have, uh, that we're, we're, and that's something that really resonated with me from the previous episode where Dave said it's not about uh, a framework for building products, it's about building the environments where products can thrive. I think that's a really interesting hook that personally I undervalued so far. I mean, um, I didn't spend too much time really putting that out. I I think I would blame myself for being too much on the product side rather than um, using Agile or using Scrum as an organizational environment changing framework. Yeah. I, I'm glad you mentioned that. I thought that was one of the most insightful comments of that whole episode. And and that episode was packed full of insightful comments and sound bites and, and things. Um, I thought about that one quite a bit on the, on the drive home that day, which was pretty long drive is all too often people get focused on creating output and I have to build this product and I have to jam as many features in this product as I can and they don't step back to say, what are we doing to make time to create a, a product discovery team or a product discovery culture or organization or whatever? And one of the things I've been hearing and feeling a lot lately in my conversations with people is, you know, they'll be talking about something they want, whether it's a simple change to a screen or a report or, or whatever. Or the customer wants this. How do you know that? Well, so-and-so told me. Well, who's that? Well, it's another person in sales. Well, who told them? Well, they troll the online forums and they they read the surveys that go out. How many people did it go out to? How old was the comment? Was it one comment or was it a thousand comments? Like, was it statistically relevant feedback about something that they need? And I'm constantly disappointed at the quickly decreasing quality of answers I get as to why we need to do something. And it just leads me to 
to kind of come back to what Dave said, which is, are you creating an environment where products can begin to be discovered or emerge? Yeah. Um, I'm just trying to collect my thoughts around that. Something that I guess uh, I've been, been seeing a lot is that we're on the verge or, or there's there seems to be this urge, maybe that's a better word, of finding the next silver bullet. Scrum has been successful for quite a while now. Um, and it, it seems so powerful, and it still is if you apply it correctly, but it doesn't bring the effects in the same amount of time that people want to invest in it. And then we're just starting to look for something else, something that's Scrum on Coke, and then we can figure that out where we, where, where we don't have to put uh, a mirror in front of ourselves and, and really figure out what we need to change in the organization in order to make it work. No, uh, let's just figure out a framework that is not Scrum because we've tried Scrum. Scrum doesn't work in our organization. And yes, it does. Uh, you don't. But we're trying to figure, so, to figure out something else that will solve all of our issues magically. So then what? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, like looking for that. Everybody's trying to look for that that golden goose or that silver bullet, whatever you want to call it, instead of maybe considering that things are good as they are. Like that is one of the biggest realizations that I've had and that I've helped other people see in their own products is maybe you're done for a while building features. Like what makes you think you've got to constantly be jamming more and more complexity and features and stuff into a product? And a lot of people over the years have told me, well, if I'm not doing that, well, what what should I be doing? Or why am I here? Like I'm a product manager. So isn't that what I'm supposed to be doing? And it's, it's a great conversation to have because I don't see it that way. Um, I'm not a product expert. I'm not a Seth Godin. Uh, you know, I'm not any of the luminaries in the world of product design, UI, UX, all that stuff. But I've delivered some pretty cool products to the market that customers like and love and still use. And it, it, it makes me feel good to be able to log in and still see them thriving. And it's actually interesting when I log into something that a team that I work with built 10 years ago, and it looks, I can still recognize it. It looks very similar. I mean, it might have new features. It might look more modern. There's probably a lot of changes behind the scenes, but the fact it hasn't, that it's thriving and hasn't had to change drastically and, and be overhauled tells me maybe the people who were figuring stuff out back then did a good job uncovering the need. And coming back to that question, so how do you how do Scrum Masters uh, help the team become more effective? How often have you come across organizations where the accountabilities of a Scrum Master are really instilled as they should be? Um, very infrequently. Right. But Why? let me ask you a let me answer your question with a question. Do the Scrum Masters have to be able to do that? Does a Scrum Master need to be able to coach every person or team on every problem? even on the team that they're serving as? Uh, no, not specifically, not per se. I would I would say in a, a picture-perfect world, that would be nice, but he or she should be given the space to slowly grow in the function that, they, uh, that they're supposed to, uh, in the job that they're trying to do, uh, to, do uh, to stick to Clay Christensen's uh, word. But what happens... 
at least in my experience, is when a scrum master grows and he creates a team that's effective and that that is self-managing, self-sustaining, knows how to build their products, now to use Scrum, then what's the next step? He or she gets another team and another and another. Instead of moving vertically, they move horizontally. That's where they get more accountability and more stuff to do. Not on the vertical ladder. No, don't. Please just stick to your Scrum team. We'll handle this on our management side. Huh? <laughs> That's not what. No. Yeah. Scrum masters are yeah. there to work with the organization and not just with scrum teams. I think it was this week, maybe last week, where I saw some post on LinkedIn, and 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 I'm paraphrasing, but it basically said was describing some advanced concepts or okay, whatever, intermediate concepts in the world of software development, and basically said if your scrum master can't do that, they're shit. You should get rid of them, and if you're a scrum master and you can't do these things, you should you know, you should go find another job. And my response to that is um, thinking about servant leadership as an idea. And yes, I know that servant leadership and true leadership, all that stuff around Scrum, but is what I've told Scrum Masters is, okay, if that's the case, if your team needs help with something and it's not your area of expertise, or maybe you don't know the first thing about it, focus on the serve instead of the lead. Like, I have a scrum master that I'm I'm working with at one of my clients right now, and he's doing this amazingly well. The team needs certain things that are not in his area of expertise, so he's going out and facilitating events. He's getting uh, speakers from other parts of the company to come in and talk to the department about these other things. He's finding and networking expert A on team A with expert B and team C to, to have a conversation and maybe develop a community. And that's a great skill. And we shouldn't diminish that that is a way that a person, call them a scrum master or whatever if you want, can help their team without having to be the expert in everything the team could possibly need, which is not reasonable. Then how can we start moving that needle into the direction where we need to be? So how, for instance, a scrum master who, let's say he or she has been working for a year, the scrum team itself has become more effective Obviously, we cannot really go on top of the pyramid right away. We cannot take four steps uh, vertically. We need to do something, right? We need to create some more accountability. We need some area just beyond the Scrum team where we can start to operate with a new organization. What's the first thing that you would advise? Well, I think, and I'm going to answer your question directly, but I'm going to come back for one second to the firefighter friend of mine is it's one of the things that I find fascinating that he talks about is how he spends his weeks and months is it's a lot of things that to an outsider might not seem like value add. It's they have an amazing gym at the firehouse. They eat a lot of meals together. They travel together. They go to other fire departments, funerals around the country to show respect to other people. And I'm like, how the hell do you find time to do all of those things? And then know that like ne- beginning next Tuesday for, for a 60-hour stretch, you're the one who's running into burning buildings, literally sometimes, or grabbing a hose or, you know, salt, getting a kitten out of a tree. And he goes, well, all of those other things are what builds the muscles uh, and the camaraderie and the teamwork and all the other stuff so that when I'm running into a burning building with my team, I know that I'm capable of running up four flights of stairs or that I know because I've worked with somebody and, and ate with them and visited with them 
that I can trust them and depend on them to do their job like they can trust me to do my job. And I'm like, that is super cool. And that's how I'm going to answer your question is part of being a scrum master to have a wider impact in a company is building the skills that you may need in the future. So if you don't have a skill and you want it, fine, build it, learn it. If you see that the company needs help in facilitation, go build that skill. But maybe there's benefit in you building a skill that you maybe don't need today so that when you do need it or when you find yourself in a meeting or an interaction or or, or a, a crisis, that you got it. So I think that's that's how I would answer your question is plug the big gaps in your own capabilities and then become a constant learner and focus on continuous improvement in yourself so that you can add more and more value. And then when you have some power or capability or skill that nobody knew you had and you can deploy it, you look like Batman. (laughs) Instead of saying, oh crap, we need that today. Let me go buy a book on that and I'll be better at that next quarter. That's going to happen to all of us. But the less that that can happen and the less that you can, and the more often that you can add value right away, the more that that team's never going to let you go and they're going to see a lot of value in you. Then we see basically the same pattern when COVID just hit with um, the first lockdowns and we needed to start working from home and then shit hit the fan. And you heard every organization say, say, we need to be more resilient. We need to be better prepared. It's what a year and a half later since the last lockdown or since the last uh, we really have to stay inside right now kind of thing, kind of message. How often do you hear organizations still talk about we have to be resilient? We got to stop being reactive rather than proactive, be resilient, be able to cope with change. We need to know why we're really doing this. It feels to me like we're falling back a little bit. That is all for today. Thank you for listening. If you liked this episode, let us know by hitting that like button, share it with friends and colleagues, sharing a message on LinkedIn, joining our warm and welcoming Discord community, or attend recordings as a virtual audience. You can find all the relevant links in the show notes. We hope you'll tune back in for the next episode of the Mastering Agility podcast.